This is the Best of the Adam Gold Show podcast, brought to you by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. That's when the pressure just, you know, grew to its, its largest because we knew if we didn't come back or if we didn't respond, like, just the weight of the whole world was on us. And, Jesus. you know, when we didn't, I mean, it was like, it was tough, man, because we knew the season wasn't over, obviously. We had bigger goals, but, like, that was the game, like, you can't lose. And so that was kind of our mentality. I feel like we were trying not to lose more than we were trying to win. This is the Adam Gold Show. That's Paulo Bancaro from the J.J. Reddick Old Man and the Three podcast conversation about Coach K's senior night. That was, first of all, if you like the NBA, that is a very good podcast. It's not hardcore basketball. It's more really good conversations with NBA players. Reddick's great. Reddick is awesome at it. Reddick's very good at television. Mm-hmm. And like one of my favorite, th- I don't even know how much he does it anymore, but he goes on first take. And it's the worst thing that ever happened to Stephen A. Smith. Yeah. The worst thing, which may is maybe why I don't see him on first take a lot anymore. Because Reddick is just like, what are you talking about? Yeah. It, it's re- First of all, J.J. is mostly, not always, but mostly right about these things because he's not hot-taking them up. And it's disarming, I think, to Stephen A. He doesn't, he doesn't play, he doesn't, he's a difficult opponent for Stephen A. He doesn't know what to do. Right? It's sort of like if, in tennis, some, some people don't like it when the other player is just hitting like, hitting the ball soft back to him. They need the pace of the ball. Like, what do I do now? He's just lobbing it back. But that's. It's it's just a it's a change of pace for Stephen A. Smith that might be a little bit uh, alarming for him. Anyway, um, it's a great podcast. Check it out and listen to that episode. But it was there were a lot of people talking about that after we we played those clips yesterday. Bad look for Coach K. You certainly are free to think that. I'm not I'm not saying you're right or wrong, but the it, the way to interpret that is Coach K put too much into that night at the expense of preparation, game plan, practicing and all that, mm-hmm. being ready, uh, I think it was really circumstance more than anything else. And the players got caught up in it because how could you not? Yeah. How could you not? Uh, anyway, uh, we have 60 seconds on as many games as we can get to. It's called Minute Takes. All right. Uh, let's start. We got a bowl game today, 6.30 tonight. It is Wake Forest and Missouri in the Gasparilla Bowl. I still don't know what that is. It sounds like a drink, but it might be, uh, it might be a pesticide. Maybe it's both. I, ho- I would hope not. I would hope not. Anyway, uh, Sam Hartman is going to play for Wake Forest. That is good news for Wake Forest and bad news for Missouri. And I think Wake Forest will post a ton of points. Against Missouri. Give me the Deeks. Missouri might post a ton of points too, but give me the Deeks minus the two and a half to run rough shot. 
My thing is that this is the last time I think we're going to see Sam Hartman in a Wake Forest uniform. Yeah. He told me back at ACC kickoff in July that he was planning on moving on after the season. Now other opportunities can arise, but I think he's going to try and go pro. Good luck to Sam Hartman. Is he going to be wearing that little, uh, that like newsboy hat? I hope so. Yeah, very nice. God, I hope so. Look All right, that. you go. All right, Panthers play the Lions tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow, actually. Gosh, it's hard to believe they're playing tomorrow. They're playing tomorrow? Yeah, they're playing tomorrow. Now, because That's Sunday's right, Christmas. most of the games are on Saturday. So, my big thing for the Panthers going in is that you got a gift with the Bengals beating the, the Bucks last week. So, you still are in control of the yeah. path in terms of getting to the playoffs. So, the loss last week didn't hurt you. This is a Lions team that's coming in really hot who's also trying to compete for a wild card spot. This is a sneaky, fun game. I'm very much looking forward to it. Suddenly the Lions are playing big games every week, and yeah. it is a big game for the Panthers too. Um, unfortunately, I think the Lions are the better team, and I think the Lions are going to win, but I will uh, I will be enjoying the football game tomorrow as I run around getting last-minute gifts. I just love the fact that we have a late December game where the Panthers are playing in a game that's meaningful. Absolutely. And the Lions are playing in a game that's meaningful in late December. And if both the Bucks and the and the Panthers lose, next week's game is still meaningful. Exactly. All right, here we go. I'm going to I'm going to drop down. I'm going to go to NC State in Maryland. Ah, yes. All right, this this is the mayonnaise bowl. This is Dennis's favorite bowl game oh, because the winner, the winning coach gets doused in mayonnaise and I hope it's the high test mayonnaise and not some light mayonnaise crap. Um NC State playing Maryland, what could go wrong? Oh, nothing. What could go wrong? Give me the Terps. The Terps plus uh, actually, it's a pick'em game. I am. I'm wondering who all is not going to play for NC State. But this is also the last hurrah. All those 30 guys that we mm-hmm. saw graduate or out there on Senior Day. This is their last opportunity. I still haven't seen. I haven't really looked much into it in terms of is Peyton Wilson going to play? Is Drake Thomas going to play? Um, who's not going to be playing? Obviously, Devin Leary is not going to be there. So who starts that quarterback? Is it going to be Finley? Are we going to see MJ Morris? It's going to be Finley. I I, th- I think they're. Morris has to be shut down, right? Either way, we can't let Maryland win. They skipped down on the ACC. Get him out of here. Debbie Yao at home is going. See, I know Gold is uh, is all about his school. I haven't rooted for Maryland in 20 years. Good. 20 years it's been since I've rooted for Maryland. Uh, all right, uh, you go. The true battle of the Carolinas, mm. East Carolina versus Coastal Carolina. Coastal Carolina is going to have a new head coach in Tim Beck. I'm not even sure if who's actually going to be calling plays or anything like that for Coastal in this game. I would like to see Mike Houston and ECU obviously wrap things up with their season. They had a pretty good year this year. A good bowl win is going to help continue to elevate that program back to where we want ECU to be because I think it's good for the health of football, college football in the state of North Absolutely. Carolina when ECU and App are really good. Plus as well is that – we got to band together, state of North Carolina. We're facing South Carolina. Right. Anytime we can band together to take down South Carolina because the state of South Carolina stinks, I'm for it. <laughs> uh, yeah, beat mustard-based. Exactly. Uh, East Carolina has a quarterback that we know. South Carolina has a quarterback. Uh, rather, Coastal Carolina has a quarterback that we don't because their quarterback left, right? He, he entered the portal. He's in the portal. I think he actually might be playing, though. East Carolina's a favorite. Minus Good. seven and a half. Give me the Pirates. Give me the Pirates. All right, Central Florida and Duke in the Military Bowl. I think Duke 
is serious about this game. Yeah. Flat serious about this game. I really do. And I'm going to take the team that I think is serious and might be better anyway. How close was Duke to winning 10 games this year? Very. Riley Leonard is legit. They've got running backs and wide receivers that are all good and sticking around. Give me Duke to start next year in the military bowl. I guess Duke is also minus three and a half. We'll give it. A lot of schools are obviously dealing with who's in the transfer portal and things like that. Duke isn't. Yeah. And outside of maybe some seniors that may have, or people guys dealing with injuries and so forth, this team's intact. And like you said, they're legit taking this game seriously because they want to wrap up season one for Mike Elko in a positive way. I think Duke blows them out. Here we go. All right. We have room for probably two more. You want to do the football game or do uh, Giants-Vikings? Or you could go anywhere. I don't care. You... Let's go to Oregon, North Carolina. Oh, yeah. Oregon, we... UNC. Sure. I have a feeling defense optional in this game. Because when's the last time you actually have heard of Oregon having a good what, defense? What, what do you mean you have a feeling defense optional? Yeah. It's All right. Let's be honest. <laughs> this game's going to have about 100 points scored. I'm legit. Both teams are in the 50s in this game. Both teams in the 50s in this game. Okay. That's my prediction. That's it. That's we, We're not predicting a winner? Nope. I, I got a winner. Uh, Oregon is a real team, right? Yeah, they have players. Mm. I don't like I don't like North Carolina against teams like that. That's fair. Just I just have no fa- they have they have burned me enough. Mm. Similar team, I like North Carolina. A team that like Oregon, maybe a step up in class. Take the uh take the Ducks and give 14 and a half. Ooh. Giving 14 and a half. No Josh Downs in this game either, right? That's true. Uh all right, let's uh let's you close out this. All right, we'll just do we'll do the we'll do the NFL game uh and I'll talk about uh, the Premier League maybe with Luke DeCock. Uh we have the Giants and the Vikings. Okay. Giants impressed me with the way they played against the Commandos mm-hmm. last week. The Vikings do not impress me ever. They somehow freakishly come back and win games. You can do that against the Colts. I think the Giants are a different team than the Colts. I think the Giants are going to go to Minnesota and win that game. And it's really more about Minnesota than it is the Giants, but I'll take the Giants on the road at the Vikings. Looking at the number of one possession wins for the Vikings this year. All of them. Lions, Saints, Bears, Dolphins, Cardinals, Commanders, Bills, Patriots, Jets, Colts. All but one of their wins have been one possession games. At what point do you regress down? There will be a reversion to the mean. Yeah. It'll happen in the playoffs. You might be right. They'll lose a one possession game in the playoffs. Might be right. That's what's going to happen. Adam Golden Studio with my man, Coach Pete DeRuta, Capital Financial Advisory Group. You have a 401k, but you're changing jobs. You're taking that 401k with you. Next step. Well, a lot of people leave it behind, which is not a good thing. I mean, if you're not at the company anymore, your 401k shouldn't either. And that's when it's time for my 401k survival oh, oh, look box at that. set. You see it right here. I've got workbooks, <laughs> guidebooks, DVDs in here that explain everything about your 401k. More importantly, how to build a lifetime income. It's a $300 value. I'm also going to give you a total retirement plan, which is a $1,000 value for the next 18 of you who call right now. No cost or obligation. Call. 888-843-0013 or text Adam to 600-700. Adam Gold is a paid spokesman. Investment advisory services offered by Capital Financial Advisory Group, a North Carolina registered investment advisor. 
Welcome to the final Adam Gold show of the holiday season, holiday run-up anyway, um, and also the final one hosted by me for 2022. Uh, it'll be the Hayes Permar experience next week. There will be a best of, air quotes, on Monday. And Hayes will take it the rest of the week. There will be a best of on January 2nd. Again, air quotes, best of. Best that we can do. And we'll do that. And then we'll see you on January 3rd after today. So uh, I don't think that's enough time for me to recharge. Uh, but we'll do the best we can. That's all we ever pledge to you is that we will do the best we can. We don't do much better than this any week, any day during the week. Luke DeCock of the News and Observer who joins us on Fridays. Uh, it is time to talk about a bunch of things. We are also going to do our top three sports moments or moments. It doesn't matter. Uh, we can do whatever we want. We have that that kind of latitude. Uh, but real quick, I don't think the Hurricanes fall into our top three moments here. Uh, so what do you make of 13 straight without a functioning power play and without an offense that is generating more than three goals a game? And a rookie goalie. And a rookie goalie. Carrying the load through all of this, yeah. Uh, No, I I mean, I think what it is is that when we talked at the start of the year about, look, this team's season doesn't start until April, uh, it's a long year, all those things, uh, this is part of it. When you're good, you find ways to win when you're not at your best. And the Hurricanes have been near their best at times, but haven't played their best hockey, haven't come close to it uh, uh, over Mm – for any consistent period of time. And, uh, you know, this is this is part of being a good team. And I think that's what we're seeing. What we're seeing is a team that's a powerhouse in the league now, has a ton of talent, maybe underachieving. And I think you can make a pretty good case that they're significantly underachieving, but good enough to be the best team in the division, finding guys to contribute. And, and look, you know, this team went through the first two months of the season with very little from anyone other than Sebastian Ajo, uh, Andrei Svechnikov, and Martin Natchez, and, and obviously a stout defense. Uh, and now you've got Jordan Stahl kicking in goals like uh, like he thinks they're not going to renew his contract and he has to play for an extension. <laughs> so when you start to get those other things come in, and look, when you get Tara Vinen scoring, if Stastny ever starts scoring, you know, Seth Jarvis we know has more to offer. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot of, you know, I, Brent Burns I think can contribute more offensively than he has. Not that his numbers are terrible, but, no. you know, when you get some of those guys going, Gisperi uh, Kokiemi, you get some of those guys going, get some of those guys scoring, finishing chances, you know, then you've got a juggernaut. And so what we've seen is a, you know, it's, I liken it to, to North Carolina basketball a little bit this season. You know, it, it's tough to get up to play the Sacramento Kings in November. Um, you know, that's, if you're a playoff team, it's tough to get up to play the Blue Jackets. Um, that doesn't mean people are not trying or they're lazy mm-hmm. or they're bad or they don't have character. It's human. It's part of it. When you know that your season's going to be judged by how you do in the playoffs and you'd have to screw up so royally not to get there. Um, things are going to slip through the cracks. It's, it's natural. It's not a, it's not a character flaw or a value judgment. I think what you're seeing lately is less stuff slipping through the cracks, more guys contributing and, and good goaltending. Look, it's yeah. a goaltending league and they've gotten it. They really have gotten good goaltending. We don't know about the status of Pyotr Kachetkov for tonight. I just talked to Rod Brindamore about an hour ago, and he thinks it's 50-50 at best that we see Pyotr, which means that we would see back-to-back Auntie Ranta experiences 
that we never thought we would see uh, Auntie on back-to-back nights. But if he's healthy, then by all means, like they've proven that they can win with him. They're six two and two with Auntie Ranta in net. So I, yeah. I I've and, and it's not like he's been overused, right? He should be fresh, <laughs> right? Um, you know, and and look, uh, if, if there's anything wrong with with Master P, you know, don't play him against the. Mm-hmm. The Flyers. I mean, I know it's a trap game. The last oh, game, totally. And the Flyers, and how do you get excited about that? But you know, let let Ranta play, and don't roll, don't risk, you know, further injury with the kid. Just just you know, do the smart thing. So yeah, I mean, if Auntie Ranta can't play back to back games with five <laughs> days off ahead of him, then you know he's he's in as bad a shape as I am, and I don't think he is. No question. Uh, d- did you hear any of the Paulo Bancaro podcast on? Uh, with J.J. Redick. Did you hear any of that? Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, Bancaro's clip where he talked about that game being the most pressure he'd ever felt, including whatever games he has played so far in the NBA, which is interesting because he plays for Orlando, and I'm not sure there's any pressure playing for a team that is not in the playoffs, not not going to be in the playoff picture. Uh, But also that that week was such that it was hard for them to practice and game plan for North Carolina. Did you take anything out of that that was somehow um, that painted Kay or Duke in a bad light? Because I understand why some people are taking it that way. I think those are North Carolina people by and large, but it doesn't mean they're wrong. No, and, and look, I, Kay admitted this, I think, the Thursday before that game when we met up with him in Sharp Hall you know, the big final bumper K Mm -hmm. last home game press conference. He admitted that the stuff had gotten out of control. There were too many people at the house. There was too much going on. Right. Um, You know, there's no question that if you gave K and and quite frankly, his family a mulligan on that, they would do things very differently around that final home game. I don't think anyone was malicious about it or, uh, you know, intended to overshadow the game, but there's no question the fanfare and the ceremony and the events i mean it was like a it was like an all-star game with all the crap that was going on and the people in town there's no question that that kept duke from preparing the way duke needed to prepare and look carolina played duke the ultimate compliment you know they didn't roll over they showed up to ruin the evening and 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 they damn well did so uh you know yeah i i think what bancaro said reinforces what many of us thought before the game what many of us thought after the game, uh, what many of us wrote about after the game and before the game, for that matter, was that the the, the sideshow had become the show. Yeah. And it's tough to win a rivalry basketball game, as Ben Caro said, under that much pressure. And I wrote that going into the week of the game, too. That's the most pressure a Duke team has felt yep. since, uh, since UNLV. Yeah, UNLV, whatever, you know, like, like, like we're talking 30 years since a Duke team played under that kind of pressure. And this was not Leitner and Hurley and a bunch of guys who had been through the wars and were mm-hmm. 22 years old. It was a bunch of kids who were still figuring out college basketball at that point. And we know that because we saw how much they grew from that point on to get to the final four. So, yeah, I, I think I won. I, first of all, I applaud Paulo Bancaro for his honesty and mm-hmm. not whitewashing that. And two, I think the fact that he feels comfortable coming out and say it says that Kay said as much to his team. And I, I think he probably at some point, just as he apologized to the fans after that loss, I think it's pretty clear that at some point there was a come to Jesus meeting with the team where he apologized because they were not ready for that game. Nope. 
No, uh, and and he had to apologize, especially after the uh, the post game ceremony at Cameron Indoor, uh, which I mean, you don't have to apologize to anybody. I mean, that's kind of if I mean, you weren't just going to roll the balls out and beat North Carolina. I know you beat them there, but beat them in Chapel Hill. But you weren't just going to roll the balls out and beat that team. I mean, North Carolina's no. got a they have good players. I mean, in terms of talent, the two teams were pretty. You know, there was a pretty big gap in terms of talent but you know basketball when you're playing with a bunch of freshmen and versus a bunch of upperclassmen who are also good i mean that's all the leveling of the playing field that you need so let me let's get to the top three stories from 2022 uh as luke decock sees them what are i i have my own three i bet there's some overlap here we might have even discussed one uh, so yeah. what are your top three stories from 2022? Uh, I'm going to, uh, are we going to go like three, three, two, two, one, one, or you just want me to blast out my three here? Bra- blast out your three. Okay. Cause uh, get, there's okay. going to be overlap. I'm going to go, th- I'm going to go three to one. Cause I think one's pretty obvious here. Um, and, and number three is, uh, probably not one that you have. Maybe it is. I don't know. Uh, the fall Olympic sports season. So that's, I think this, this went, a lot of this went under the radar. NC State winning a women's cross country title. Oh, wow. North, Carol, North Carolina winning a 10th field hockey title. Aaron Matson out on top. Karen Shelton retires on top. Um, Aaron Matson's going to go down as one of the great <laughs> ACC athletes, period. Yes. Um, and uh, UNC women's soccer playing for a title back in the title game. Did they get screwed? You know, I was out of the country for that, so oh. I can't. I, I, I don't think so, but boy, do people believe that they got hosed on the game tying goal. Of course, they had a two ge- two goal lead with ten minutes to play. But that's I would story. I would argue that over the past thirty years, North Carolina has gotten more of a share of the breaks in women's <laughs> soccer than possibly any team in any sport ever. <laughs> I mean, you're talking about the Yankees and wow, uh, you know the 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 Packers and everything rolled into one. The Cowboys rolled into one. They've gotten their share. They, the the rest know who's supposed to win most of the time. Most of the time, that's Carolina. So I'm, no tears there. They had a great season. Um, and one more is is Duke women's soccer forward Michelle Cooper had perhaps the best season of any individual in the triangle that no one's paying attention to. She's got a chance to be the first non-Carolina women's soccer player in the triangle to win the Herman Trophy, which would be a a huge deal. Um, she's already turned pro. That's how good her season was. Wow. So, well, the Carolina uh, yeah. Courage have a uh, North Carolina Courage have a spot for her with Dabinia, uh saying that Adam, she's leaving the club. Adam, I guarantee you, she'd rather play in Europe than play for the Courage right now. That franchise is so toxic. What Everybody's that? left. Everybody is. It's um, what what, is this? what? Hey, that's that was the that's that should be maybe number three. Is it wasn't that long ago the Courage was the best women's soccer franchise in the world. In the world. And right. now it's like bottom of the NWSL. Mm-hmm. No one wants to play there. It's that's a hell of that's a, a unbelievable collapse. I have no I mean, other than Paul Riley, I don't know what to attribute it to. Uh, but I and maybe that's why the players were leaving. Because there was a mass exodus under Paul Riley of players who went elsewhere. Maybe and that's it. Paul Riley. I mean, if you well, look yes, at the but... latest, I mean, not to get sidetracked here, if you if you read the, actually read the report that the league and the union did together, which is a fantastic report, you find out two things. One, the abuse continued after Paul Riley got to Carolina. It wasn't just a Portland thing. Right. 
Um, and Kaylee Kurtz deserves all the credit in the world for coming forward and being open and honest about that. And two, when players complained about Paul Riley, no one did anything. So why would you want to play for a franchise that doesn't take you seriously? Right. hundred percent. All right. Number two. Sorry. We got, we got sidetracked there. Number two. Um, I, it is the Canes for me. And it's the fact that they actually had a disappointing season. Um, oh, last been, year. Yeah. Yeah. It's been such a still 2022. Yeah. It's been such an ascent for that team since the fall of 2018. Just steady, steady, steady progress, getting better, getting better players, spending to the cap, playing silly cap games to go over mm-hmm. the cap. Uh, to, to lose to a, a team like the Rangers, which quite frankly didn't have a tenth of the talent that the Hurricanes did, except in goal, uh, is, a, is, a, is a huge disappointment. And I think that's been reflected in the play of some players like Martin Natchez, you know, who have come in this year with a new attitude. Um, I think it may end up in the long term being a healthy thing. There's no shame in losing to the Lightning. There's no shame in losing to the Bruins. There's some shame in losing to the Rangers last year. And I think that has the potential to be a motivator. The way the Hurricanes have played this fall, they don't look like they're willing to let that happen again. Mm-hmm. Despite the fact, and I know you're going to say this, they still are finishing chances at a Rangers series rate. They're just creating so many more of them. And the goaltending's better. And and yeah. look, if Freddie Anderson is healthy, maybe that's a different story last spring, although I thought the goaltending was fine. You can't they, point they didn't fingers. lose because of goaltending to the ring. No, but 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 they also there were a couple of games that the goaltender could have won for oh, them. Game six or seven. Them, especially on the road. Yeah, yeah. So so maybe Freddie's different there. But you know, as we joked about excuse me, as we joked about last week. You know, Freddie up in the press box with us because of that playoff feel. But he's the guy who gives them he's the guy who gives them the best chance to win the Stanley Cup. He needs to take whatever time he needs to get healthy um, and avoid what happened last year. So that's number two for me. Not okay. like, oh, the Canes are terrible. But that was newsworthy to me that this upward ascension was interrupted. And now they've actually got some pressure. You know, they're, they're, they're done playing with house money. Right. OK. You know, the, the expectations are here. The window is closing. Not imminently. But we're on the downside of that bell curve toward the Slavin and Pesci contracts. This year and next year. Right. So there's there's a limited window here for this group. So anyway, that's number two. And number one is is the two Duke-UNC games and everything that went with them. We've covered the first one pretty adequately. The second one, the basketball apocalypse, the (laughs) long-awaited meeting of Duke and Carolina in the Final Four. We survived. Yeah. Um, But it was a hell hell of a game, hell of a finish. Um, you know, came down to missed free throws and a huge shot. Um, lot, a lot to like about the way that that, that season ended from a, a neutral perspective. Just the drama and the fact that Kay had two chances to beat UNC in the two biggest games of his final season. And, and his arch rival won them both, and that's what makes a rivalry great. Although yep. I do think we have moved into a new phase of the rivalry because the sort of Dean, Kay, Roy uh, generation of that I think UNC can kind of put a foot down on that. I think that that we we're we're on to whatever's next. Yeah, I mean it's good. We have, you know, Hubert's not necessarily a young coach. I mean, he's younger than me. Uh, Shire is a young coach, uh, but Hubert's a new coach, and I think he's doing a great job. I love the way he handles his team, and you know, the jury is out. We don't know what John's season is going to look like. Uh, we'll add it up at the end and see where they where where it all stops. But um, I I think both choices were the right choices for each program. Um, my my choices for this topic were a little uh, bigger picture. I like the fact that you localized it um, because for me, 
and you and I talked about it some, Live Golf was one of the biggest stories that hit sports. It brought, you know, it's funny, we don't talk about it, but Man City and PSG are basically, uh, well, Newcastle is wholly owned by uh, Saudis. Saudis. Yeah. Uh, PSG is wholly owned by the uh, Qataris. Uh, yeah. And Man City is uh, a conglomerate that is mostly owned by uh, oil money uh, in the Gulf. It's not a nation state, but it is mostly owned by that. Um, but we, we don't talk about that, but live because it hit so close to home. We talked about that. That was number three. Number two was Messi winning his World Cup. I'm, yeah. Right? And, and again, I, I was looking well, at can, it at, hey, at a different level. Those, we've got live at the President's Cup. That overshadowed uh-huh. that whole tournament. And Greg Berhalter getting the U.S. to the round of 16. I UNC. like Berhalter, but if you're if you're going to tell Giovanni Reina that you're going to play a limited role, then I don't want you. Yeah. I don't want yeah. for that reason alone. If he let was healthy, quote, he has to play. Let me quote soccer expert Sidney Lowe. Your best players have to be your best players, but you got to give them that chance. Right. You got to you got to give them that chance. I thought that was Joe Giglio that said that. Uh and number you got it from Sid and you know that. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. For me number 1 was the was the K senior night. Yeah. That there was so much on that night. It should have been easy for us to all forecast how that was going to play out simply because A, it's a rivalry game. Uh, road teams win on the other's court, no matter the disparity between the talent level of those two teams. Uh, and the amount of pressure that was on those kids was you could have made diamonds. It was just, it. honestly, I think Bancaro probably won't play another game with that much pressure until he plays in a playoff game in the NBA. Probably for, probably for a different NBA team. <laughs> it's probably his second, his second team. Yeah. I, you know, the other part of that, Adam, that people forget and, and the look, look, but you are what your record says you are. The scoreboard is what it is. With ten minutes to go in that game, it was a completely different discussion. Um, you know, it was a it was a real honest basketball game right. that changed course in the second half. I mean, Carolina played the same five guys the entire second half. I don't think that gets talked about enough. You know, in the heat in Cameron, I mean, that was mm-hmm. not the February uh, Cameron game. That was right. a hot day. That right. building was warm, and they played those same five guys for twenty minutes in the second half. They played great. Um, and, and, you know, that was really a preview of the Carolina. We were going to see the next six games, um, you know, this sort of fearless, hot shooting, resilient team that it hadn't been for big chunks of the year. And, and, and Duke sort of wilting in the last 10 minutes. The, the big, um, I think the biggest over. factor, biggest factor in that game, Brady Maddox defense on Paolo Bencaro. Yeah. I mean, the one, you know, I, I shouldn't say the one game, a, a game where Brady Manick played excellent defense. And I just mm-hmm. remember I, to me, the one thing that stands out from that game, there's two things, that's two images that are seared in my brain. The one is Jay Williams standing with all the former players signaling to call a timeout, which I just like, yo. And the look on his face was like, Ooh. yeah. And then, uh, and then the other was during, at one point during the post-game ceremony, the plan part of it, not Kay's impromptu, grab the microphone and tell people how disappointed he was. Yeah. The during there was one point during the ceremony where he, you know, was looking up at the screen and Mickey was holding his hand and it was all super awkward. And he looked down and he just kind of 
put the bridge of his nose in his hand and you know mickey's holding one hand and he's kind of got his elbow on his thigh and his head resting bridge of his nose resting his hand and you just could see like i don't think he's experienced a loss like that very often in his career and you could just it was like watching someone get hit by a train in that moment like and and you know he's this is a guy whose public image is so polished and so i don't want to say choreographed but you very rarely see moments of real unscripted emotion yeah. that isn't positive emotion. You see joy, you know, that's not, I'm not saying that's fake or script, but it was just a really revealing moment of a guy who was like, what the hell just happened? Yeah. Well, he's an emotional guy. And that was, there was so much emotion, uh, good and bad that wrapped up. And it was the, the final time he'd ever coach a game in Cameron, a, a game, you know, where it mattered. He, I mean, he might coach some sort of a charity game at Cameron again, but he'll never coach a game that matters at Cameron. Hey, Stadiums, yeah, all of that. Don't tell me that K Academy doesn't matter, Adam. <laughs> all right, Luke DeCock, Merry Christmas to you. I'll see you tonight, probably at PNC Arena. If not, uh, I'll see you very soon. I thank you very much uh, for these Fridays. You're the man. Yeah, we'll do it again in 2023. And uh, thank you for the, for having me on and enjoy I owe your you time. so much golf. It's not even funny. <laughs> so much. We'll, we'll, we'll collect at some point. All right. Good. Good. I'm, I'm going to hold you to it. I promise you. Uh, thank you very much. That's Luke DeCock at Luke DeCock on Twitter. News and observer halftime. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Still, uh, still in a World Cup mode. Your halftime entertainment. So I was wishing Luke a very Merry Christmas. Oh, okay. Though we might see him at the arena tonight. I'm not yeah, entirely sure. I'm sure he's going to the game. It's Tony, all possible. Tony D'Angelo's coming back. That's right. You know who might be coming back? Gal Gadot to the Fast and Furious series. No way. Yes. So she was in numbers five and six. You know who's going to love this? Brendan uh, Witted. Brendan loves the Fast d- and Furious dudes. movies. Huh? Dudes. Well, there's that's is going to love it. No, like he he just loves all of those. He loves all the, the whole franchise. Is The Rock in this one? I don't think no, he hasn't been since I think number 7. That's the one I, the only one I saw. Well, he's been in I think 3 of them. He's, his first one was number 5. It was number 5. I don't know. He yeah. and Vin Diesel did stupid things with cars. Well, yeah. But that's, anyway, I saw uh, that one. Apparently she might be reprising her role as Giselle Yashar. Again, apparently in number six, if you watch the film, she, spoiler alert, passed away or died saving uh, her, her her boyfriend. Psych! Han. I don't know. Maybe. Or is it a flashback? Who knows when continuity where these things are going to fall. Also, it's interesting that her Justice League co-star Jason Momoa, who plays Aquaman, is also going to debut in the film franchise in number 10. Nice. Fast X, I believe it's called. Because, you know, got to do that. So there you go. There's a return for you. Nice.
You know what's not returning? HBO has canceled back on the record with Bob Costas after two seasons. Have they? It's I guess it's a four episodes per year. It's where Costas had these in-depth conversations with sports entertainment, uh-huh. pop culture figures. Gotcha. I hate Bob Costas. Why do you hate Bob Costas? I just do I do not like Bob Costas. I, I, he, love Bob I find Costas. him annoying. Okay, that's fine. That's I find fine. him extremely annoying. I've never liked Bob Costas. I love Bob Costas. When Bob Costas is on my television, I tend to either mute or change the channel. I've always liked Bob. Well, we are on opposite sides that's of that. That's fine. Season three of Jack Ryan on Amazon Prime is out. I know every time uh, I because t- we, we we are Amazon Prime mm-hmm. uh, subscribers, customers, members. I don't know what it's called. Uh, so when we flip on our YouTube TV, it's yeah. I see all these Jack Ryan things. I've never watched an episode of it. But it's great. I'm sure it is. I very much enjoy it. It's a little bit of obviously it's got some action to it. John Krasinski plays the lead role, but it's got okay. some action, like some political espionage type stuff going on. It's very, very good. Okay. I'm a big fan of it. Very big fan of it. And my final question for you, sir, as we wrap up Halftime Entertainment. You watched Top Gun Maverick last night? I have not watched Top Gun Maverick okay, yet. Okay, that's disappointing. I was busy last night. Oh, I know. You had the Canes had game. The Canes game. I guess. I, fell like... as- I was falling asleep. I was nodding off while I was recording the podcast. I apologize to the podcast listeners if I didn't make any sense. I do. That's fair. I kind of wish there was sound of you snoring. Is there sound of you no, snoring? No, no, I didn't, I didn't fall asleep, but I, I was like... You know, like the, the nod off the... You know, that. I was getting... I started to ramble, which I do anyway, I guess. Never mind. People might not have been able to tell the difference. Okay, that's fair. Well, my final question actually is for you is, how much more, how much more holiday shopping do you need to get done? Very little. Okay. But I definitely have things that I need to get. Why, why are you asking? No, me? I'm just curious. Oh, okay. I have... Because you have a day left. Because uh, I know you're not getting anything done today, probably, unless you get some done before you go to the arena. I might sneak in a uh, a trip real quick before I get to the arena. Yeah. I'm actually curious, thinking about just how the weather is with the wind and it's people might be losing power and things cold. along those lines. It's very cold. My thought in terms of the game tonight against the Flyers are a lot of people going to show up because, yeah, well, we lost power, but we have tickets to the game. We can actually go do something. It'll be or, warm there. Exactly. It's going to be warm in there compared to it is outside. Or if people are going to be like, nah, weather and stuff's kind of cold. We don't want to stand outside or wait outside or anything like that. Let's just nestle up at home. And Also, people are traveling because of the holidays. Snuggle. You should have used snuggle right well, there. you know, some people live alone. Um but I'm also thinking as well as that a lot of people are traveling. Are people going to be sitting at home or they're going to be on the road? People who normally would have tickets, those kinds of things. I'm just curious how things are going to be in terms of attendance tonight. I expect it to be packed because Flyers fans will show up still. You know, I don't, I don't know how many were there against the Penguins on Sunday. I don't recall. Uh, or the Devils on Yeah, Devils on Tuesday. Tuesday. Pretty full. Um, I I actually uh, have that information at my disposal, and I'll go check it. But they have had one before this. They had one crowd that was less than eighteen thousand this year. Really, one, and that was the Capitals. Really, the Capitals trip, which Washington won, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, that was the only game before the Pens and the Devils, and I don't re- recall what the attendance was for those two games. They appeared full, but I don't know. Uh, one game. 
where there was fewer than 18,000 people in the building. Wow. Was the Capitals game. Interesting. Yeah. They're, 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 they're one of the top teams in the league in attendance. How about that? Which, for those of us that have been paying attention to the Hurricanes over the last, you know, while, if they're good, people are coming. Imagine that. And it, it, took, it took like five years of bad before people stopped coming. Mm-hmm. And then they stayed away because it wasn't good enough. And I told Tom Dundon this in year one, as they were starting to get better, he goes, when are the people going to come back? I said, just wait. They'll be back. It might not be this year because there's normally a lag, but they will be back. Actually, it was before the end of that season. People started going. Yeah. They were just looking for a reason. It's amazing because every franchise goes through it. I mean, our old friend, our good friend, Alec Campbell, when he used to work in Chicago, said you could just walk into a, a Blackhawks game when they were terrible, basically. Dude, the Wolves outdrew the Blackhawks yeah. at one point. Yeah, the AHL team. That is amazing. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.